You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Week 10, winners and losers. The losers being two different college football head coaches who are in severely hot water. Good morning. It is Monday, November 8th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Chase Scott. We are about to be joined by Brandon Marcello, National College Football Reporter for 24-7 Sports. Look, pretty simple week. Pretty simple. Two undefeated top 10 teams lost. Michigan State goes down to Purdue. Wake Forest goes down to North Carolina. Georgia looks head and shoulders above anybody else in college football with Alabama not looking too good against LSU with Oregon not looking too good versus Washington Ohio State struggled at Nebraska Cincinnati struggled to to dispatch Tulsa all that easily we've got some interesting storylines bubbling underneath all that Texas A&M's making a push here Oklahoma State Notre Dame we're gonna give a lot of love to Notre Dame and then the losers well you can guess but Jimmy Lake and Dan Mullen they're in hot water for very separate reasons well, I mean, the reasons at the root of the cause are that they're not winning games, but it's a short and sweet episode because, yeah, we've gonna, we're have going to have a lot to talk about in the next few weeks. We're going to have an interesting playoff reveal on Tuesday. We're going to have a coaching carousel that is going to be absolutely out of this world. So we're saving our reps. We're, we're not doing a 30-minute episode today. We're keeping it short and sweet. And uh, that's also probably because I had some Wi-Fi issues on my end and, and Zoom kept knocking me and Brandon off. And I was like, all right, we're, we're done here. We'll, we'll keep it under 15 minutes. So here's Brandon Marcello. The audio is clean. Don't let my Zoom issues scare you. The audio is good. And uh, with, with Brandon, as far as Brandon's concerned, the takes are always good too. So enjoy. Okay, Brandon Marcello joins us right now. As promised, Brandon, week 10, Busy week, awesome week. It started on Tuesday, and now it's like we're recording on Sunday morning and hoping that we're not, you know, missing it. We're not doing it too early, and, and that a coaching search isn't coming somewhere in a little bit, and we can get to all of that in a little bit. But when you look at the landscape of the week uh, and, and all the results, do you have any any winners that stood out to you? Because there are, there are a lot of losers. I feel like every the, the further into the season we get, the, the easier it is to spot the losers. But did anyone? impress you on Saturday or Friday or you know Wednesday, Tuesday? Georgia. And th- that's about it. I mean, the rest of the top 10, they either lost or they just didn't look too impressive. Georgia just continues to look dominant. And it's getting to a point now, especially after this week, if you're a Georgia fan sitting there, if you don't win the national championship this season, when will you? Because it's just like, it just seems like your team is so much better than everybody else out there. Also, another thing I'm impressed with are the outgoing coaches like suddenly like looking competitive. We saw Ed Orgeron's team push Alabama to the limit uh, on Saturday night on the road. And how about Manny Diaz at Miami? They've won three straight, including two against nationally ranked teams and still very much on the hot seat, but they haven't folded under pressure there, which is actually kind of impressive. Now, having said that, you look across college football, you don't look at a top 10 team and go, other top 10 teams go, man, they look really good or really impressive. You know, kudos to Purdue for doing what they do, beating top five opponents. They've beaten two this year. And apparently for the first time, according to The Athletic, the first time ever in college football history, they have beaten top five teams as an unranked team by double digits. That's never happened before, two of them this year. So, you know, outside that, it's just kind of a, this was a, this was kind of like the down to earth weekend where we realized, you know what, this season is weird. And just the moment we thought we might have an idea of who the top six teams are and let's cry out about Cincinnati. Now it's like, uh, do we really know anything outside of Georgia? 
Yeah. Speaking of outgoing coaches, TCU won without Gary Patterson, shocking Baylor. Yes. Baylor, Baylor could be considered a loser because they had everything ahead of it. No, no, no reason to lose that game. You make an interesting point about the down to earth. It feels like every season we reach a point where we go, I know who's going to win the national championship. And it's, it's interesting because like Georgia hasn't won one since 1980. So they could, they, you know, they should be considered the fun the newcomer story, but we're not idiots. We're not going to call Georgia a newcomer. Just like in 2019 when LSU was inevitable, that was a great, I mean, that was, that was an awesome story. Joe Burrow at Orgeron, that was awesome. But, you know, it's little old LSU. It's interesting that these like these little blips keep happening where it's these programs rise up, they get a perfect storm. And I don't know how Georgia's, I mean, if Stetson Bennett wins a national championship, I'm going to have to like commission a dissertation on that or something like that. But yeah, it's just like, it, it just, it feels inevitable. And I'm looking at Bama. I'm like, man, like what's going on with you? You know, uh, I'm looking at Oregon. Doesn't look good at all. Uh, you were right on about Anthony Brown, Ohio state. I think I got suckered into the crushing of all those bad opponents a few weeks ago. I don't think they could beat Georgia. Brandon, Given that Michigan State lost and and the other teams ahead of it didn't look that good, how do you feel about Cincinnati right now as um, one of the best? I'm, this doesn't even have to be a playoff conversation, but one of the best four teams in college football. You know, I'm I'm open to it <laughs> just because I I haven't seen a team in that three or four spot right now where I go there definitely should will be in it by the end of the season or should be in. And also with Cincinnati, they just win. They just get it done. I mean, when Tulsa was near the goal line late, not just in, in those fi- that final minute, but even before that, they, they stopped them at the goal line several times. I think six, seven, eight, nine times, something like that on plays. So Cincinnati just gets it done. Plus, they've got a top 10 win still against Notre Dame. Notre Dame keeps winning. So if the committee is going to sit there and go, you know, we're looking at head-to-head matchups, but also, you know, the quality of your losses and everything, it's like, well, Ohio State just struggled again against a lower-tier opponent, especially Nebraska. Why why are we punishing Cincinnati so much, but we're not really punishing Ohio State? That that's what's going to make the this week's ranking so interesting. Cause you're trying these first few weeks of ranking is more or less just trying to see the philosophy and the practice of these of these committee members. Because if they're weighing one thing now, they should continue to weigh it the same way at the end of the season, right? So you that's what you kind of trust in this this whole process. So if Ohio State's still up there, you know, and you know, Cincinnati drops again, then you're going to start thinking, okay, all right, we get it now. You're just not going to let a group of five team in. But uh, having said that, again, I'm open to it just because there just isn't, there's one elite team in college football right now, and it's Georgia. Then there are like seven, eight great teams, and then the rest. And anybody can beat anybody when you're great, not elite. So it's it's a very strange year. And like I said, if Georgia doesn't win it all this year, when are they going to win it? Because they've they got a generational defense, a great offense, not elite offense, but a great offense. And if you don't get it done this year, Georgia, I, you can keep getting top five classes, top two classes all you want. I, I don't know if you're going to be able to, to hold off Alabama or Ohio State much longer. No, I agree with you totally on that. Uh, a few other games that, man, North Carolina Wake Forest felt like a long time ago. Now that we sit here, it's you know, 24 hours ago, 58, 55, UNC. They scored 24 points in the fourth quarter. That's that's a gutting one for Sam Hartman and his Demon Deacons. They're going to have a chance that this loss doesn't count in the ACC standings. I, I still like Wake Forest's shot to, to, to win the ACC. I don't think anyone thought that 
you know, they were going to be a playoff team, but Hey, they had a shot. Uh, you mentioned Notre Dame, Brandon, 34 to six over Navy. Look, obviously the, whoever had won that Notre Dame Cincinnati game would be the team getting the playoff buzz, but it's almost, it, it's wild to imagine that if Notre Dame had won that we would be sitting here with them maybe as a top six team, they would be a top 16. They, they maybe would be. be a top four. They're not even supposed to be good or at least like that good because this is a re- rebuilding year for them. I had Tim O'Malley on for the, our Notre Dame side. He was like, look, you know, I think Brian Kelly's last shot for a playoff will be the 2023 season. And then he might retire. Like this was a total rebuilding season. So very impressive what they've I, done. I, I yeah. think, I think it's, I think it's the best coaching job he's ever done this year to be able to put together what they have with, as you said, in a rebuilding year and to win some of these close games. I, it's very impressive. It's not getting talked about enough just because we're, we're too focused on playoff things. And, you know, we all just kind of assume, well, Notre Dame's going to fall apart at some point because they don't look too good, but that's coaching, man. The coaches have put them in good, good spots this year. Yeah. I think what it does is to your point, it legitimizes all of that because man, you go to a sports bar and you start talking playoff with somebody or college football and Notre Dame, and they're going to say, oh man, they go to the playoff every year and they get pounded. And it's, I mean, someone's going to get pounded by the number one seed. Uh, I, I think it's pretty cool that Notre Dame is, has uh, firmly, firmly done this uh, with Brian Kelly. And I don't think he's going to get it. He's not going to leave South Bend, but if you're looking for a coach, he should, you should call him up at the least. And then here's another one for you. I don't know how much you watched. I had Auburn and uh, 20 to three Texas A&M. I think the Aggies might be maybe the biggest winner of the weekend just because right before the game, they got two elite commitments, including yeah. number two overall recruit, Walter Nolan. They jumped to number six in the recruiting rankings. They still have a ton of ammo left. They could maybe even make a run at the number one class, which would break up the Georgia and the Alabama monopoly. So A&M seven and two. They'll be in the top 10 this week. I think they still control their SEC West destiny because they, they have that win over Alabama. It's fun to imagine what this season would look like for them uh, if Haynes King had stayed healthy. But regardless, Zach Calzada has been a warrior. This is a really, really freaking good football team. Yeah, and an incredible bounce back since you know they look kind of listless even in that win against Colorado and then their loss by double digits to to Arkansas. And then the very next week, following up with the home loss of Mississippi State, it's uh, pretty incredible. But it just shows you just how much talent they've got on that team, especially on defense. And you know, I call this past week kind of the best week ever for them under Jimbo Fisher. And it might not seem like it, but you just mentioned you get two top tier recruits, including the the number two recruit in the top 247, which I think it's ties for the best commitment they've ever gotten uh, next to Miles Garrett. So you do that, you watch out and you're a Texas A&M fan, you watch Alabama struggle against LSU. You beat Auburn, which is trying to compete for that number two spot behind Alabama. LSU is in dire straits right now. And things are looking hot for A&M. I mean, Listen, they're what, like 17 and three in their last 20 games under Jimbo Fisher. And they're doing this without their, uh, their top quarterback right now. And, you know, listen, uh, it's quite the week and, and quite the, the stretch they're going to be going into here. I mean, that, that Ole Miss game, game day is going to be there. But after that, if they beat Ole Miss, they should win out. And what happens if Alabama loses? What if A&M goes to the SEC championship game and beats Georgia? We got a two loss playoff team if that's we the do. Case. Exactly. That's crazy to think. It's insane to think. It's, I mean, they, they had a last second win over Colorado, and I was like, man, this team's going six and six with Zach Calzada. So props to them. And, you know, Brandon, this summer, and I, I almost hesitate, hesitate to bring it up, but when Texas and Oklahoma made the move to the SEC or announced the move, A&M fans were like, halt this, don't let this happen. 
do not want to return to the status quo of the Big 12. I'm just saying A&M is getting quite the head start recruiting-wise and team-wise. Uh, Texas especially would just get, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe go five and seven this year in the Big 12 and you know maybe go four and eight in the SEC. But we, we don't have to talk about that. So coaching-wise, Brandon, uh, is your eye more sharply tuned right now to Gainesville, Florida, Seattle, Washington? Well, which of those two? That's a difficult question. I almost feel like they're on said the same ground, but you know, Jimmy Lake uh, having that incident on the sideline, which you know, personally, I didn't think it was a huge deal when I when you watch it. It wasn't like he punched the guy; he kind of just slapped him over the head and just pushing him out of the way so he wouldn't get into it with another player. But anyway, Jimmy Lake's just had some really terrible coaching decisions, and also he's got John Donovan on his staff, and he hasn't fired him yet, which is just one of the craziest things going on in college football right now. Terrible offense decision to try and punt down eight and then the football gods go no you made the wrong decision and the snap goes over the punter's head into the end zone for his safety to end the game pretty much despicable um, it was despicable terrible but i'll say this the the more attention will be on florida because it's a bigger job it's in the south that's where all the media attention is and um you know, I think Dan Mullen's going to survive this year still somehow, some way, but he's going to make massive changes on that staff. But um, I think the guy that's more likely to get fired, to get canned is Jimmy Lake, because it seems like they're just looking for ways to get rid of him publicly. You're not hearing that publicly from Florida with Dan Mullen. It's just a lot of chatter behind the scenes from people and sources. But at Washington, you got the AD coming out immediately after the game, talking about him slapping a player's helmet pretty much on the sideline. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think things are heating up there. And, it, you know, at Washington, it's never good or anywhere for that matter to take over for one of the greatest coaches in college football history and Chris Peterson. And not only to do that, but to look average in doing so. And you've made some questionable decisions, not only with coaching and football on the field, but also off the field with some of your hiring practices. And you're publicly getting chastised, really, by your athletics director. Yeah, it's more likely we see a change at Washington. But in the interim, we're going to have a lot more attention on Florida because it's the bigger job. And Dan Mullen, let's face it, is a more interesting character. And for that matter, really, in my opinion, uh, has turned into a caricature uh, in college football. I think that's very fair to say. And I think if you're Mario Cristobal, you're hoping Jimmy Lake never leaves. <laughs> yeah. Judging by, uh, go go search out Cristobal's comments that someone caught on uh, in the locker room after that game. You could tell he very much likes what is happening at Washington under Jimmy Lake. All right, Brandon Marcella, we appreciate you joining us, man. Okay, thank you so much for listening to the College Football Daily. Appreciate our producer, Lance Glenn, stitching together a lot of different audio files today because Zoom was not our friend. And yeah, I went one and two against the spread for our three pack of college football daily picks. That's our first losing week of the year. It took all the way to early November. More pressing is the fact that I owe Brad Crawford a Hellcat, which is a car. I sarcastically bet him a few days ago when he was tweeting about the possibility of Florida losing to South Carolina. And I was like, no, if that happens, you know, just like I'll shave my head, I'll, you know, eat my shoe, whatever. I'll buy you a Hellcat. I thought Florida was going to go 4-0 4-0 in the month of November and uh, instead they lost 40-17 to to South Carolina so I'll have to figure that out I'll have to, I don't know what I'm going to do take a second job take a third job pay for that Hellcat anyway we will be back on Tuesday for the next edition of College Football Daily enjoy your day Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen 
This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.